Blog Talk Radio. It's that time again you have reached, which is Whiskey and Wit. I'm Jason, host of this show. So I, I have a witchy person on the line I'm going to be talking to tonight. That's Naja Lightfoot, the author of Good Juju and somebody I just adore. And we were talking behind the scenes. We have a green room here. So we were talking in the green room, catered, really nice, talking in there. And I'm just delighted she's here on my little show because she's really terrific. And I've got whiskey. I have the Cherrywood Sonoma Rye from the Sonoma Distilling Company. I haven't even had any of this yet. I already can't talk. There's no endorsement here. They're not paying me. It's just really good whiskey and it's here from California and it just feels like it's the right thing to be drinking today and we might have wit probably not from me if this is any indication of where we're going a uh, little house cleaning before we jump into the show I will be next week and we will not have a show I will be on vacation with my wife Ari celebrating either our first wedding anniversary or think more more likely like our 16th. There's a story there that I'm not going to bore you with, but I'm granted I'm just not that old quite yet. Anyway, so I won't be here live next week, uh, but thanks for listening and thanks for being here. This is our big Maybon show. And Mavon is probably the most hated and loved word in the greater pagan community. Today, I'm online and, you know, reading and hearing things like, Mavon isn't real and, like, all these just weird, of course it's real. And, yes, uh, you know, people celebrate it. It's real. So, Naja, we are, we are live now. You're out of the green room. Uh, you know, <laughs> do you celebrate Mavon? Do you like that word? Do you give a shit about all of that? Like all the negativity? It? Oh, yeah. I totally into the turning of the wheel. I can't wait to take down all my summer things. Although I've had spitting witches in my yard since June because <laughs> of COVID. I just decided why the hell not. But, yeah, you got to honor the seasons, and I don't have any problems with that word. I don't really pay attention to too much how other people feel about things. You're smarter than I am. That's, that's what it is. I, oh, I don't know. I just see too many things. I love this time of year. I think it's, like, kind of the beginning of the most magical you know, period of the year because we go straight from this into Halloween and, you know, and then Yule and all that. I mean, it's pretty much three straight months holidays, you know, once we get through the autumn equinox. And do you, do you feel the same way? Oh yeah. I mean, especially here in Colorado, um, it's so hot. It's been such a hot summer and now the mornings are cool. I actually have to put on a little jacket to go outside and, you know, I can feel the magic in the air. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get off, you know, probably a big ritual, but I will change, um, you know, my door decorations, which I really look forward to because I have, you know, decorations for every season, and I wait until the season actually changes, you know. So, um, yeah, the night before the fall equinox, I'll take all take down all my things, all my summer stuff, and put up all my autumn things. Yes, I'm very excited about it. We have a sunflower thing up in the door. It's not quite a wreath, but it's like a giant, you know, metal sunflower. And for me, I think, you know, I can reasonably put that up in July when I get my first sunflower blooms and then leave it until the end of September, right? Because, I mean, that's a summer and kind of a fall thing at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, I have like decorations I put up in spring and I just liked them. They were like, you know, wildflowers, herbs, herb back bags and things like that. So I've just left it up there for, yeah, it's been up there for a while. So I'm ready to change. 
I just needed your approval to keep my stuff up longer. I'm always (laughs) desperate, you know, for approval from others when it comes to all of my holiday stuff. Because my wife just shrugs and says, you know, whatever, husband. uh, Right. Well, you are the Sunflower King now. So, you know, you got to really rock it this fall. I, if people do not follow me on social media, forbid, or, you know, praise you for not being a part of that, I have a lot of sunflower pictures. This year, I have not had to travel anywhere, so I've been able to like, really kind of focus on my garden, make sure that it's watered and fertilized, and this is the first time this has ever happened. Because of COVID, I have not left my house. I have not slept anywhere else since February. And that just is not how my life's been the last couple of years. Last year, I traveled everywhere, and I met you during those travels in in Denver, Colorado, where we were at the International New Age Trade Show together. What did did you think of INAT? It was really, really different to me. I mean, you could feel sort of the New Ageiness versus sort of like the pagan witchiness. Well, that was my first time being there. So I had absolutely nothing to compare it to. And so for me, it was great. Um, It was wonderful. (laughs) You and myself and um, our dear friend Melanie Marquis, we set off to Barnes & Noble, and that was my first public book signing. And then I had a book signing at INAS, and then you and I sat at the bar for quite a while. (laughs) So I had a lot of fun. So I, I can't I can't, you know, compare it to anything because that was that was my first time there, and it was really great. I thought it was fabulous seeing all the authors and vendors, and I got some really cool stuff, and and I met you, and yeah, I, so I had fun. But that's I, th- just I thought it was fun. I really liked it as you know, kind of a fun. But I'm just not used to seeing, you know, so many people at an event who are doing different from me because usually you know I go to events and they're always just witches or pagans and at a new age show yeah you get witches and pagans but you also get a lot of other people you know doing things with angels or talking to dolphins or whatever it is it's like a really wide spectrum of people I'm just glad that our first book signing didn't turn you off of book signings (laughs) because really wasn't a raging success. So you did better than the rest of us. Well, I don't know. I mean, the person, the one person who I, like, signed and told she left the book in the store. So I, <laughs> I thought, well, this is, this is humbling. <laughs> this is a good entry. But um, you know what? It's okay. It's all all right. I took her book, um, signed with her name in it, and I put it in my free reading library, and someone took it. So it was great. So it went out in the world anyway. It it found a home, though I assume then that you had to pay for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that's okay. It's all right. It's all all part of the journey, you know, and you got to have – stories and experiences like that. In fairness, I did buy your book there at that Barnes and Noble. So, I mean, you know, (laughs) somebody bought a book from one of the three of us that day. (laughs) So it was a, it was a wash. I made out, I broke even. (laughs) Oh, you didn't come close to even. You know what the the royalties are on these books. I mean, you know, you make a dollar because I bought it. Noble. <laughs> well, it was still, you know, I I attributed it to like when you make your first sale, you have your first business, you know, you you got it. It's got to be some type of exchange, and so there was an exchange that day, so I was happy about it. Well, one thing I like about you though is like you wrote nice things in my book about me, and your penmanship is readable, which this is the, all the exact opposite of. I can't write witty things, and if you can make out that the scribble is my name, you're doing really well as a person. <laughs> it's just that bad. It's just that bad. So, so well, it's, it's, you know, 
it's hard to write these days. You know, I, I journal pretty much every day and it takes me like a full page to get my penmanship correct because we just don't write that much anymore. No, we really don't. And you see now like people not even learning cursive in school. And I, I don't mind that. I don't use cursive either other than for my signature, but it's really changed since we were kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. Everything is type and text. And so when you put pen, you know, ink to paper, it, like it's like your fingers don't have the muscle memory anymore. And so like, it takes me a while to, to actually write words in my journal because it, it looks so funky. I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause I hardly write at all anymore. I find that my hand hurts when I have to write for a long time, just yeah. because it's not used yeah, to doing do. that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's really different. So you've been writing longer your first book came out in 2019 good juju and we'll talk all about that in a minute but you've been writing professionally for a little bit longer than that though relatively sure right a lot of Llewellyn's annuals and stuff for quite a while yes I've been writing for them for five years but I got my first contract in 2013 so, yes, I've been at it for a while. Do you – okay, I write for all those almanacs and stuff, too. Do you – I mean, challenge to sometimes, you know, to only have a word count of whatever it is, and then you have to really struggle not to go over that. At least that's how it is for me. Um, where you asked me about the word count, you kind of broke up there for a second. Oh, Sorry about ever, that. Do you ever struggle with the word count for those? Like, especially the spell a day, 150 words. I mean, I, I can't brush my teeth 150 words, let alone do an entire Well, I wish I had that problem. I am a short writer. I struggle to expand things. I'm good, you know. 150 <laughs> words, that works for me. You know, trying to get to... You know, novel length for a book is just like pulling uh, teeth for me. I wish I was had more words. But I, you know, I usually like, wow. But you know what's difficult is what people, I don't think people realize, is to write clearly and succinctly in 150 words. That's really hard. It, it's a challenge. I mean, there's no room for adjectives sometimes. No word, uh, no. There's, no word, there's no room for cute introductions. My, no. I mean, my magical name is Verbose, so I mean, I always write everything. It's you know, it's just word vomit in books and almanacs. So, at least I never have to write more. Like after I turn in a book, <laughs> they just take oh, things. That's, that's good. I, I'm on. I'm on the other end. I'm like more. You need more. I'm like, look, I've said what I had to say. <laughs> I'm done. But it's good for me, though. It's a good exercise. I mean, I think it's hard if you have a lot of words and then you have to edit and cut them out. Uh, you know, I, I, that's got to be difficult. And then if you're on my side and you're, like, trying to, like, expand and go deeper, you know, I think there's, there's you know, plus and minuses on both sides. For sure. So I want to talk a little bit about the book and about your magical background. So the, the book is mostly hoodoo practices, right? Uh, you know, I suppose if you want to look at, you know, when I talk about mojos and mm -hmm. crafting mojos, things like that. But outside of that, it's more a daily uh, spiritual magical practice. I'm really trying to get across to people to have a daily magical practice. And then, you know, you can use practical tools such as mojos and things like that to enhance that. But I'm really working to build, help people build a magical foundation. So what's your background in magical practice? You know, did you learn from anybody? Were things handed down in your family? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> There's no one. 
I wish I had that grandma, um, you know, or that auntie whose feet I sat at. And no, you know, I'm booked, you know, students, you know, courses, teachers, um, just being very studious. But, you know, I also have my own innate gifts. Uh, I've always been a magical person. I've always been someone who feels things deeply, uh, senses, spirits, the unseen. I don't see a ghost or anything like that, and I'm very happy about that. But I've had, you know, spiritual nudgings and callings my whole life. And so I just pretty much started following. I actually belonged to a drum circle here in Denver for many, many years, and that was like my first, I guess you would call, call it foray into animism, nature, magic, people who believed in the seasons and, and did intentional drumming to honor the year and the seasons. And I was part of that group for eight years. And that's what really set me on the path, like learning to set up an altar and call the directions and how to use drums and smudging and Uh, It was a magnificent experience. And so that really laid the foundation for me. And I just set off from there um, wherever spirit wanted to take me. That's a really interesting way through a door, you know, using Mm -hmm. a drum circle. I mean, because, you know, there are type people who go to drum circles. And I remember, you know, when I was young in the 90s, I assumed every Rusted Root concert was just full of pagans. It was pretty wrong. But I like to make the assumption anyways. But they are really magical places, and it does seem like a good place to find other magical folks. And I think it's something that we kind of overlook and ignore sometimes. Right. If you don't, you know, if that's not in your family, like it wasn't in mine, um, or you don't have friends, you know, where where do you go? And I, you know, I lived in <laughs> metaphysical bookstores. And it was pretty much one of those, hey, there's going to be a drum circle here. Um, I had a friend who belonged to this drum circle, uh, and it's, you know, now gone its, its way uh, many years ago. But she was like, you know, I think you might like this. And I, I'll never forget walking into the VSW Hall here in Denver and just seeing all these candles and altars set up and these drums and smudge and I was like oh my gosh I've been waiting for something like this my whole life um and and it was a wonderful wonderful experience and that was also the first time I ever met um anybody who openly associated themselves with the word witch and I was just fascinated by this woman um and so it wasn't it was more of a earth-based honoring the seasons it wasn't I wouldn't call it a witchcraft drum circle it was just you know a drum circle that honored the seasons and um ways of nature so it was you know pretty low-key in that way but that was very serious and it happened eight times a year and that really laid the foundation for me to meet people who felt about things the way that I did I just wonder if they called it a Maybon drum circle and who sneered while they did it. That's... You mentioned you mentioned living in metaphysical bookstores, and for me, that was my experience, too. Once I moved to a town that had that kind of store, I mean, I was there all the time. The shop owners were invited to my wife and I's wedding, and when we visit our old hometown, that's one of the places we always go back to. What was your go-to store in Denver when you were starting out, and what were the authors that really influenced you to start writing and to start a magical practice? Uh, Well, I had two stores. So the first store was Herbs and Arts, which is still here on Colfax, and Kaywin and John, who own the store, became dear friends. Uh, They're like family to me. And, um, you know, I really fell into reading Ted Andrews. So, uh, you know, his book, Animal Speak, was like a Bible to me. And I still have it. It's all marked up. Every time I see something, I look at it, read it. And then he was pretty much where I learned about Llewellyn because I remember seeing Llewellyn there. 
And then, I, you know, the witch's date book and the witch's almanac. And so I would just wander through the store. And then on the other side, there used to be a botanica in downtown Denver. And that was a whole different, um, you know, trade with um, candles, you know, for um, magical purposes for the, um, what's, how do I want to say it? Like, the Latina, Hispanic, Mexican, uh, curandera uh, mm-hmm. people. And it was a beautiful place. They used to go in there and they had a big parrot. And I speak some Spanish. So <laughs> I would go in there and I made fast friends with those people. And they had the, just the best candles. And it was actually that shop where I ever saw a candle that actually had the word hoodoo on it. And that was years ago. So between those two shops, I would get all my stuff. And that's really how I started my education. I love the Ted Andrews reference because, you know, Ted passed ago. It's been maybe almost 20 years, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, to people of a certain age, Ted Andrews were just books that you had because they were everywhere. And now there are a lot of younger, younger people who have never heard of Ted Andrews. And I'm always surprised oh, by gosh. that. Yeah, I mean, he just, for me, it was like, and that's what I loved about Llewellyn. Like, when I would read something, I had this connection, like, these are real people writing these articles. It wasn't fiction, and I trusted that. Um, so I had Ted Andrews, and then I was in the medicine cart for a long time, David Carson and his medicine cart. So between the animals and the drum circle and the medicine cart. Ted Andrews, that's kind of like how I really started, you know, going down the road. And then I took a class in herbalism, uh, a community herbalism certificate class. And that's when I first met uh, women who really associated with the word goddess. What, What did your family think of this while you were going through this process? Well, my family, uh, my husband, and my kids were little at the time, uh, they're very supportive. I mean, they always knew that I was a nature-based person, so it wasn't. (laughs) In fact, it was my husband who told me I should go downtown to the Botanica because he found an article in the newspaper. And I was like, I don't know. What? You want me to go where? (laughs) And he's always been like that. Like, you know what, you should go check this place out. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I just had this feeling like <laughs> once I go into that botanica, I won't ever go back. So I was kind of like, you know, I think when you're like we are, you have a calling. You feel it. Um, you know, so it's, you, you, you know these things about yourself, but maybe opportunities don't prevent. And I knew if I went to that botanica, you know, things are going to be different. And But we went down there one day. So my family, my, my husband and my children have always been very supportive and very encouraging of me. And I've been at this since my kids were little. I mean, in elementary school. So it's been a long, it's been a long time. So they don't really know any different. No. <laughs> my son would say stuff like, oh, he'd wake up. Oh, that's just small out there in the backyard. Okay, I'll go back to sleep now. <laughs> I, I mean, I when I was doing this, I was in college, and, you know, my parents thought it was weird, but they didn't see me enough to really have a problem with it, you know. So, you know, mm-hmm. it was always sort of done in isolation from them. And now oh. my father kind of understands it, but... And I think he's reasonably proud of it, but I'm never sure. You know, mm-hmm. you're, I think your husband is definitely proud of you and your work because we've talked about yeah. this before. Yeah. And there's a yeah. lot to be proud of because your oh, book, you. your book is like in its 19th printing already or something like that. And, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the movie rights have been sold. Uh, Steven Spielberg, um, this is great. Um, Andrew Bassett is playing you, right? Is that is that what I heard? <laughs> wow. 
That would be great, man. Oh, that's the dream, isn't it, Jason? It is. We want it is. HBO. We want HBO to call us up, right? <laughs> yeah, at, at this point, I'd really be happy with the Travel Channel. I mean, it really wouldn't make any difference to me. Or Netflix could come calling. Yeah, you and I both. That we're here. We're for real. Hit us up. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I have to say that I'm really proud of myself for those jokes, and I didn't write them ahead of time. So, you know, I'm going to just pat myself on the back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may be a joke, but who wouldn't? I mean, come on. That's the dream. But your book has been really successful, though, by the standards of a magical book. I mean, I, I think you are in, like, a multiple printing already, and sometimes it takes couple of years for a second printing for a Llewellyn book or you know if you wrote the witch's athame you know you're never getting a second printing book whatever it is I mean sometimes it takes a while but it's been really successful and it won an award from INADS and this I'm happy for you I'm overjoyed for you because I really do adore you if we lived like in Colorado we would be really good friends. We would hang out. But yeah, you beat, beat me. You beat me for that award. And I did cry a little bit, but I've gotten over Aww. it. So you won it was the vision, Cover Vision Award for Magical Books, right? I did. I won the Gold Award. And let me tell you, no one was surprised. You know, don't sell yourself short. When I saw... The people in that category, including you, I was like, well, all right. I'm just happy to be nominated. I really, you know, I, you know, I'm the newcomer. It's my first book. You know, you were there, and you're a great writer, and you're a prolific writer, and your books are wonderful. So I was just like, okay, thank you so much for the nomination. I do appreciate it. So no oh, one I was saw... more shocked to say than me. Oh, I saw you, and I was like, it's over. There's no way that I'm going to win. It's done. It was such a weird category, too, though, because, I mean, they were magical books like we would expect. Yeah. And then there were books that just didn't feel like they belonged there at all. It, it was so, it was so strange to me. It was like such a hodge thing. There were a lot of books in that category. There was. It was a big, there was a big showing, so... Yeah, I was just happy to be on the page. Did you get an award, like a physical award? I mean, there was no award ceremony this year, and it would have been fun to walk down the red carpet at INATS. I was totally ready. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I had my, had my, like, you know, outfit picked out, and I was ready to run into, oh, what's that kid's name who was on? Uh, Mario Lopez, who was, I think, the guy at the red for I, I was totally ready for it. Did you get like a award? Did they send you one in the mail? Um, I got I got a certificate in the mail. I did with a seal on it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, considering very what, nice. yeah, considering what most magical authors get, a is better than some of my royalty checks. I'll I'll tell you that. Has as you've gone through the writing process, and your book's been out for about a year and a half now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Has there been anything that surprised you about being a published author? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. I mean, actually, I've just, I mean, it was my prayer that, you know, my words would help, uh, you know, just one person or someone who was like me, someone who was a seeker didn't really have, you know, a whole bunch of people in their circle to help them out. That's really all I wanted, you know, was just to touch someone. And because I remember being like that myself, being alone and, hey, I really have these feelings. I have this desire, but I don't know what to do. And the overwhelming response that I have gotten has really surprised me and just touched my heart. I mean, people write me, (laughs) send pictures of of themselves with my book while they're, you know, taking a bath or they send me things on Instagram and um, really reach out to me. And that has really been surprising. That's, that's really touched my heart. And 
I was pretty, you know, nervous about that, um, you know, being a first-time published author out there. But the response and and the real sincere, heartfelt way that people reach out to me has just touched my heart. And I, I was, I've been very surprised and, and, and just overflowing with gratitude for that. One thing I've never understood, apologies in uh, – to storm fairy wolf before I, you know, ask you this question. I've never understood the bathtub pictures. There are so many pictures of people reading in bathtubs. I don't even think about them. I'm a shower person and it would be really hard to hold a book while in the shower. Cause you would obviously ruin the book. Are you surprised with the sh- with the bathtub pictures? No, not at all. I mean, you know, if you're doing magic for one, you're doing a cleansing bath. I could see you having a magical book in there. Or the bathtub is great, you know. Put your candles up, fill your tub with rose water and rose petals and take your magical text in there. No, it doesn't surprise me at all. No. Uh-uh. If I took a bath and burned candles in the bathroom while taking a bath, my <laughs> wife would kill me. She would run into the bathroom and blow out the candles and say, what are you doing, you husband? You're going to burn down the house. <laughs> That's exactly what so, But, I mean, I burn candles every day. I mean, you're talking about my family and how supportive. There is always a candle burning in my house every day in some room, in some fashion. And I can burn candles when Ari is not home because she's allergic to everything. And really any big set will like set her off. So, you know, there's very little candle burning. And when there is candle burning, she's always worried I'm going to burn down the house. And she has a definite point. I'm one of those idiots who often leaves the stove on long after they're oh. done cooking, you know. Mm-hmm. So my wife is not somebody who's overreacting. She did marry it. So, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> we, just, we just get to do less of that than a lot of oh, other Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Do you, do you get handwritten letters from people? Um, one, yeah. yeah. And then I get a lot of emails. And I did a lot of, of correspondence. You know, people contacting me through Instagram, which is really great. Instagram is a much nicer community than Facebook. <laughs> I really, yeah. I really like Instagram. It's just straight back. Here's a picture of this thing. Done. Yes, I like Instagram too. Instagram is a happy place. Plus, you have to take a photo to post something on there, so you just can't. You know, you, you've got to do something to post on Instagram. You just can't sit down and type a rant or whatever. So, you know, and, and you can really call your community and things like that. So, yeah, I, I do. I do like Instagram a lot. Facebook is always sort of much more, I don't know, evil and argumentative. You know, it's <laughs> if there's going to be a contrary opinion, it just always tends to be on Facebook. I also like pagan Twitter. Pagan Twitter is quiet. We're mostly just nice to each other. And that's really, really good after a day of looking at Facebook and being convinced that nobody likes me once ever. So Twitter is really good. Also for kind of a bomb of the soul. I want to be a little bit serious for a second. Uh, Paganism, the magical community, especially the pagan community, has always had some problems with being inclusive. It's it's a predominantly white area. As a woman of color, have you been embraced? Do you feel welcome or have there been some negative instances? I have felt welcome in any circle or community event that I have gone to or participated in. But that does not mean that I haven't been aware that I've been the only black person at that event. So I've never had any problem. I've never had people, you know, be openly hostile toward me in any way. 
But yet, I'm often the only person of color at the event. So it's not lost on me that it needs to be more open, more welcoming, more receiving. But I cannot say that people have mistreated me or treated me badly in any way, shape, or form. There's a lot of good there, and there's a little bit of bad there just because of, I think, of how you know, not integrated our spaces are. What do you think we can do to help overcome that? Hmm. Well, I these are hard you questions. Know, I think, it, it's hard questions. Well, it's I much easier than just telling stories. Well, I think, um, you know, there has to be a space for people of color who are witches and practice the yeah. craft um, <laughs> and to come out. I mean, it's hard to come out. I mean, it, it, just on, on your own, you know, and um, we just have to support people to come out. And, and you have to have a little bit of courage and and um, make the events welcoming and to just, like, really, like, maybe go out of your way if you see a person of color at your pagan event to, like, really go over and talk to them. And, Hi, how are you? Glad you came. Take them around, introduce them, because it's it's hard to break into these communities. It, you know, they can be pretty closed or standoffish at times. We're <laughs> very for a while. We're, we're yeah, very pretty. Yeah, it can be pretty clickish. You know, depending upon the event or the group. So you know, if you want more black people and brown people at your event, one of us happens to have the husband to show up, you might like say, hey, how are you? Glad you came. Can I take you over here? In my experience the last 20 years, it feels like people are either super like where they don't talk to anybody else or is too gregarious, if you know what I mean. Hey, it's so good that you're here. Join my coven today. And, at, you know, and also a point where you're like, if you're new, you're like, I just met you, you know, like, let's have a cup of coffee first or something. It feels like people just want you to jump into the deep part of the pool without wading into the shallow water first. Right, right. Let's, let's, let's just take this one step at a time, you know, and uh, uh, say hello, how are you, follow up with that. But, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. And uh, being an out-of-the-boom closet witch in this day and age, I don't think has ever been easy. Anybody who practices the craft or associates, you know, you have to put on, you know, your best form and best example so that you don't make it scary and you don't make it fearful and you, and you promote that you're a welcoming, inclusive group. Because a lot of, you know, for many reasons, a lot of things have been secret for many reasons. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we're slowly starting to move to that, but there are still people who lose jobs over being witches. Oh, yeah. So people, it figures into custody battles. I mean, it feels so safe right. sometimes online being in witch communities, but when you go back out into the larger world, it's not all of that all the time. Right. And, and we have to have respect for that. I mean, it's not safe for everybody to come out and Say, hey, this is what I am. This is what I do. I mean, you know, people have family members, parents, siblings, husbands, wives, partners, spouses. That might not be okay. And so, you know, when I write, I always try to respect that, that it may be okay for me, but that may not be okay for somebody else. Have you ever run into any witch discrimination out in the larger world away from the magical community? I can't really say that I have. No, not from being discriminated against as a witch. No, no. I mean, you, I, I can't say that I've had any bad experience that way. You have. You do live in Denver, so I mean, America just assumes everyone there is, and it's probably like, oh, cool. What's up? You know. I mean, I think <laughs> that. That's the general Colorado. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, we, yeah. Are, 
We are the cannabis model for the country. It's pretty laid back. But, you know, I've traveled to other places, um, and I've pretty much gotten along well with, you know, everyone that I met or interacted with. That doesn't mean, like, I always, you know, ended up belonging to a group or anything like that. But that, it was been more personal, you know, personality clashes, stuff like that. You know, magical people can be funky. <laughs> yes, they can. Yes, they can. So living in Denver, which is a pretty big, like, pagan and witch and magical community, do you find that people, because you're an author, now want your seal of approval on things? Do you get drawn yes. into local stuff with a lot of free? Yeah. Well, I, just, I get emails and people asking me, you know, to be part of this, this that, and the other. But, you know, um, now I did want to say, you know, back to your question, I have experienced racism in this country as a black yeah. woman. I have a mixed family. But that's a whole other story. Um, I have been blessed to find that the magical community and the nature community that when I attend events and things like that, I get along really well. But that's not to say that my family, my children, you know, we haven't had experiences with racism and just being a black person in the United States brings its own burden. But, um, you know, outside of that, you know, I have gotten along pretty well with the magical communities that I've done events with or showed up with or gone to, something they they're holding so i things have been good that way yeah people write me now and say hey will you do this or <laughs> so i think you have to have discernment i think all good witches should have discernment you mentioned racism in our society and i just assume that you've dealt with racist things because as you said i think every black person deals with racism at some point and with frequency you know, we have watched protests the last, especially the last five or six years. Uh, there was Ferguson, and now with the killing of George Floyd, we've had throughout the country. Every once in a while, I think, oh, we've reached a tipping point. We're going to change. There's going to be something that really comes from this. And usually it doesn't happen. This time, it does feel a little bit different to me. Do you think that we're on the precipice of some sort of change? I'm not going to say it's sweeping change and everything's going to change overnight. It feels like we're more aware of the racism that people of color face more than we were maybe 10 years ago. I'm very cynical. I, you know, there's certain things that need to happen in this country for me to say, oh, yeah, it's all better now. So I'm waiting for accountability. I'm waiting to see the outcome of the election. Then, then I'll answer that question. <laughs> the the election is looming large, I assume, in everyone's mind. I mean, I think that the yep. future of our democracy depends this election. Are you doing magical work for the election specifically? Uh, yes, in my own way. So I have um a free reading library and attached to it is a tambourine with George Floyd's name on it. And it says vote on it and it says shake it. So people walk down the street and they shake my tambourine. And so that to me is the power of air, caring thought, communication, also shaking this tambourine so that his spirit knows that we haven't forgotten him. Um, you know, the police officers still need to go to trial. I mean, the, the, the U.S. court system is long and hard. So I, you know, I'm not about to say, oh, yeah, it's all good. Everything's good. No, I'm, I'm not there. And I came into this planet in the 1960s, so I've been around for a while. So I will just wait, you know. I do my part. I say my prayers. Um, I remember George Floyd's name every day, John Lewis's name every day, those who have gone before me, my ancestors every day. And we'll see. I mean, I think that, I mean, I'm almost 50, so, I mean, I've been here for a while, and it doesn't feel like anything ever changed. I share your cynicism for the most part, though this is, it feels better than it has in a while. 
least white people are listening for the first time in quite a while, though that doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to get better. You talked about daily practice. So your book, that's a really important book, is the daily practice. What tips do you have for people who are bad at daily practice? (laughs) Is there any way to train people who are bad at daily practice? Okay, so I, you know, I'll give you a pass. Okay, if you can't do something daily magical, do it weekly or do it every season. You know, just be consistent with something because it's that consistency and that practice that builds power. If you're just, you know, willy-nilly here doing this, that, and the other, you're not building any power and you're not building any magical skill. You're not building any prowess. Okay, so maybe you just do something every full moon. Maybe that's just lighting a candle. I mean, I don't get off a big ritual every full moon. I used to, but sometimes I can, all I do is light a candle and blow a kiss to the moon and call it good. Um, or you do something every new moon or every Wednesday or every Thursday. I mean, part of the thing, you know, that I'm really <laughs> a stickler for is discipline. You know, you have to put in the time and the effort and the work. You just can't download something and do it, and that's it. You have to put in the time and effort if you want to be a truly magical, spiritual person. Otherwise, you're just messing around. That's how I see it. Well, you you talk about, like, you know, do something at least on the full, whatever. How has COVID-19 affected your practice? Has it made doing things difficult? Yeah, I mean, basically, I'm solitary on my own. Um, so unless I happen to be with, um, some groups that I belong to. So, um, what it has affected is just my energy and my desire. I mean, there's been a couple full moons where, you know, I didn't think I was going to get anything off, but then I'll wake up in the middle of the night and the moon will call me and I've got, you know, my pentagram candle and I can at least go like that. I can at least go outside and lift my arms in prayer and say a few words of prayer and magical words and liturgy that speaks to me. And I can at least do that. And I find in this COVID time, I'll feel like I'm not going to want to do anything at all. But I've been at this for so long. It's kind of like magical (laughs) muscle memory. (laughs) I'm like, you know, screw this. I'm not doing this shit today. I'm tired. It'll be like three o'clock in the morning. Oh, you need to get up. Oh, all right. All three right. in the morning. Oh, you well, you are a much wait. better witch than I am. That that just doesn't well, happen. I, I, I mean, I'll wake up and then it'll be like okay, five o'clock. I need to get up and get out there. But you know, I live in the city too, so I like getting up really early when it's quiet before the traffic and the noise and the construction starts. So I'll just feel called and then. I'll end up getting something off, and I always feel better about it. But many times during this COVID, I just like, oh, I am not, I'm not doing that. No, I don't feel like it, which is okay. I mean, I think people sometimes feel like forced, like, oh, you're a bad witch if you're not doing anything. If you don't feel oh, like yeah. doing anything, sometimes it's best just to take the day off. Exactly. I mean, you know. And when you when you start, you know, you're so overwhelmed. You have so much information coming in from so many places, and it takes a long time to find your own witchy confidence, you know. And maybe all you do is blow a kiss or you go kick outside and hug a tree, and that's enough. <laughs> and, and give yourself have a break. to be huge. I, th- I think that's something yeah. people forget is that, you know, gestures don't have to be huge. Magical work does not have to be huge. Need 18 candles. No. Yeah. You know, no, I always, I, always, I always say I'm a simple witch. I mean, I know complicated things, and but you know, I pretty much am consistent simply. <laughs> that doesn't there's mean I'm a, simple-minded. <laughs> there's a reason why, like the magic key of Solomon, never really quite took off. It's too complicated. Oh. People, people oh want to. Oh my gosh. I know, I couldn't even get through that book. I was like, oh, gosh, this is, woo, 
this is way too much for me. I mean, of course I own it, because of course I would, but that's way, <laughs> that's way out of my league. It is, it is kind of a slog, that is for sure. I know people who, I mean, I had to read it just for research purposes, you know, and then I could just kind of set it aside, never to be looked at yeah. again, you know, unless I yeah. need to take something out that just looks magical. Right. I just, you know, and I have a lot of things that I just like because they're magical and this is great and it should be in your library. But, you know, there's some things in there that I probably wouldn't. Oh, gosh, and people like you probably don't want to start with this. <laughs> well, there's, go there's, there's going to be a day you need to see the demon and do that. You just get out your key of Solomon and get to work. And draw a bunch of pentacles. I mean, it all it happens to all of us. If it doesn't happen to you, apparently you're a bad witch. Uh, well, you know, I am not a proponent of calling up things I don't understand. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of because you're I'll give you I'll give you grace on that one. But that you know, no, I I don't call up things I don't understand. No. So. As we're like in our last eight minutes of the show before we're done for tonight, I have to ask you like what you're working on right now. I know you're writing a book right now. Mm-hmm. Well, today has been a fantastic day. Um, uh, my staff became a part of the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft in Cleveland, wow. and yes, I, saw I just over the top. <laughs> I just. It has been the most magical, wonderful journey, and my staff arrived in Cleveland, and I just, you know, if I can, I just want to thank Tony Rotunda and Stephen Intermill and the Buffett Museum of Witchcraft for contacting me and asking me if I would donate something, because um, to be a part of the historic Raymond Buffett Museum is one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me, so I have had, and then to be on your show today and talk to you and I feel um, really energized. It's been quite the journey with my staff getting to Cleveland and uh, so I feel like I'll be able to carry on and finish my manuscript for book two but um, which is going to be great. I'm really excited about but today's been a big day um, and my heart is very touched. I remember like I've seen I saw the picture of your staff of the museum today, which was really cool. I will say, though, if this show is the highlight of your day, you might want to get out more. That's I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> well, I said being on your show was also part of the highlight of this day. Yeah, also, so, that's good. It's good. You know, yes, it's yes. Not the icing I, on it, top of the cake. It's, it's well, it's, the part, it's part of this big cake. I mean, I just you know, what we talked about today, I think people really need to know their history. I'm very much about the ancestors and those who have gone before us. Um, not everything has always been like it is, and we still have a long way to go. So to be part of the historic Buckley Museum of Witchcraft is incredible. And and you have power when you know about those who have gone before you and the sacrifices that they've made. I mean, I, I was telling someone the other day, I'm a pre-internet witch. I remember going down to the library being afraid someone would look over my shoulder because I was on the <laughs> library computer looking up stuff. So, um, yeah. No, I was there. I, yeah, I get it. There's, I used to write letters to other The first witch I ever met was somebody I wrote a letter to. I mean, it's just so weird. Yeah. Yeah, the, we didn't have all this accessibility um, so, and that's good though. So, and I'm glad that the Buckley Museum exists and I can be part of, of that history of our history because it's significant. I'm so like late. They asked me and I have what I'm going to send them, but they were like, you have to, you should send us a picture of you using the eye. And now I want to like, make sure that I look good in my picture. So I've like <laughs> been hesitant to send it in like. You know, today I'm wearing a Jameson T-shirt. I don't want to wear this T-shirt when the picture, you know, using the wand is taken. You know, I feel like I can look witchy, right? 
Well, I, you know, you have all that beautiful hair. We've met each other in person. I think mm. you could get off a of picture, Jason, is being witchy of using your item that you want to donate to the museum. Maybe I should put on a robe or something. Or really, ideally, in better shape, I would take a sky-clad picture, you know, like the 70s pictures of Mason Maxine Sanders, you know? I could have a wand with, with my wand, so to speak. You know, I that would be that would be hardcore witchcraft. Cut it off, though. You know, <laughs> you, you do want your item to get there. You do want it to be displayed, I would hope. True, I guess. Probably shouldn't do the softcore porn. My wife yeah. probably... You say, say, that for, say that for another event. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what event that would really be appropriate for. It'd probably be problematic no matter what. No. Um, yeah, you know, you would know better than I would, though. Is this your that first way. Is this this isn't your first podcast, is it? Oh no, no. Okay, I've good. been doing podcasts last year. Yeah, good. it's been really fun. It's been really great. I've had like the two guests I've had on this show were past virgins. Um it's the closest I've ever come to taking anyone's virginity. So it's pretty exciting for me. Um I'm glad that it wasn't three in a row though. And you're also really good at we could talk for like five hours, I think. Yeah, we could. I mean, we could talk for like five hours. There's so much that we have in common and think about and, and uh, you know, share and um, process together. And I've also, in spirit of your podcast, I've had my whiskey here. Because, you know, I do like my gin and my whiskey. <laughs> I've been sipping it because this is Whiskey, Wit, and Witch's podcast. It's Witch's Whiskey and Wit, but I often call it Whiskey. Witches and wit, and I probably should have named it that because it just seems to flow better. And also, by the yeah. last half hour of the show, the whiskey becomes the most important part, and <laughs> you know, the wit is really an afterthought. Yeah, it's, good. Just, it's good though. I'm just glad that you've held up your end of the bargain and had funny Aww. and witty and a delight to talk to. So, as we kind of round out of time. Where is the best place for people to find you online if they want to learn more about you and your work? Um, well, I do have a website, craftandconjure.com. Uh, so there's a little bit more about me on my website. But also, if you're looking to, you know, just connect with me, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and I do have a Facebook page, but I'm not on that Facebook page as much as I am pretty much daily on Instagram and uh, Twitter uh, uh, more frequently, but I post on all social media platforms. I'm I'm out. I'm around. Yeah, and the book is called Good Juju, Mojo's Rights and Practices for the Magical Soul. It's fantastic. Naja is fantastic and so thankful that you were on my show because really it's just an excuse for me to talk for an hour and I can work <laughs> on my taxes, which makes it even better. Oh, there you go. But uh, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with me for the last You are You are just terrific and I really honestly – if I lived in Denver, if Ari ever gets a job in Denver, you know, we would hang out all the time. Well, I hope we do, Jason. I hope the world gets back to its new normal and we can hang out because it's yes. been a pleasure and I love talking to you. And if you and your husband are ever in the Bay Area, you are always welcome at our house. You'll Thank love you. Ari. I, if you like me, I, you'll will really you. love Ari. She's much better. <laughs> we'll take you up with that. <laughs> We'll take you up on that for sure. My guest tonight has been Naja Lightfoot. The book is Good Juju. It's a fantastic book. I suggest that you pick it up. It is on its 17th printing and will soon be an HBO series. We're off next. My guest on October 1st is Meg Rosenbrier, who's the author of The Healing Power of Witchcraft. She's the 
force behind the Instagram page Witch With Me, and she's also putting a big program called Gather the Witches, which will be Samhain weekend, kind of, or the weekend before Samhain, and I'm lucky enough to be a part of that. So come back on October 1st. Naja, so good to talk to you tonight. This has been really fun. This has been Witches, Whiskey, and Wit. I'm Jason. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.